This is the hour of doom and bloom. <laughs> That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast, a momentous message of magnanimity in a monstrous world. <laughs> wow, I said that right. You did. <laughs> I'm Joel MD. I'm that old Dr. Bones, co-founder of the survival medicine website doomandbloom.net, where you'll find 1,200, count them, articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness. And I'm Nurse Amy. I'm also known as Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. I'm purveyor of some of the highest quality medical kits on the planet at store.doomandbloom.net. Not to mention the goddess. That's the hottest right there, ladies and gentlemen. So wonderful. She's like a smile wrapped in a hug, wrapped in a delicious chicken burrito. Mm. <laughs> I like chicken burritos. <laughs> On this show, we'll tell you the conventional wisdom, even the unconventional wisdom, if that's what it takes for your family to be medically self-reliant in times of trouble. But before we start, you better listen to this. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. That's right. Don't listen to a darn thing we say, but what you're going to do if the you-know-what hits the fan? Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? If you don't have a medical preparedness plan, you'll end up as the ghost. Oh, let's get right to it. I want to talk about disasters, especially long-term disasters. And in those kind of situations, the family medic has to be able to handle a lot of different emergencies, a lot of varied crazy things. Some of these are clearly survivable, maybe a broken finger, and some of them, well, not so much, like maybe a bullet to the head. It's important for the medic to have a realistic attitude towards the hard facts. Being realistic is not going to make decision-making easier, but it might make it clearer. Your goal as the sole medical asset in an austere setting is to prevent the avoidable deaths. If there aren't any deaths, then you've done a pretty good job. But eventually, something's going to happen. You're going to have to deal with bad things, pretty hard realities. If you don't know the difference between what we talk about and what regular first aid teaches, well, maybe now you do. You're it. You're the last best hope for your people, and it's often not pretty. If you're diligent in your role as medic, I'll tell you what you have done. You probably have accumulated various medicines that'll help keep the family healthy, and you'll do it before the you-know-what hits the fan. We've talked a little while ago about antibiotics, but you need more than just antibiotics. You'll need a lot of different over-the-counter drugs, for example. That's something we're going to talk about in the near future. And probably you'll have people in your family or survival group that need medicines for things like high blood pressure, diabetes, maybe other medical problems. So don't think that your responsibilities start and end with this. Trauma. This is is what a trauma (laughs) textbook looks like. Right. Wow. Kill some rats with that. That's right. But listen, trauma, that's the mistake that many preppers make. That they see doomsday preppers or some show like that and assume that it's all going to be gunshots, stab wounds, and falls off a cliff. That's sexy stuff for TV ratings, but it's not what you're going to be dealing with every day. It's going to be a lot of little things. Cuts and scrapes, dental problems, diarrhea and a lot of chronic ailments that may affect the young and definitely the older people that are in your care. Sometimes a person will write a review of our books and complain that we talk about a lot of things like, let's say, thyroid disease that you can only tell with blood tests or CAT scans. Well, 
Just because that's what they use today to tell these things doesn't mean that you can't identify, for example, a bad thyroid by physical signs and symptoms or tell a bad sprain from a certain fracture. This is stuff that they used to do 100 years ago when there wasn't MRIs and other high technology. If something really happens to take society to the brink, where do you think that we're going to be thrown back to? We're going to be thrown back medically back to the 19th century. And who do you think is going to have to go by physical signs and symptoms to come to a diagnosis of an ailment? That's you, medic. That's who. And the fact that these problems aren't in your wilderness first aid book doesn't mean that you're not going to have to deal with them. And how are you going to deal with them? Hopefully, you'll have told your people with chronic medical problems to stockpile their medications as best they can. You don't want your family members with high blood pressure to show up at your retreat after the bomb went off with their last three pills. Exactly. And we actually talked about how to accumulate some of those prescription medicines, uh, I believe, in our first show. Yes, was that's it the right. Second? It was the one on antibiotics, the first show, I believe it right. was. Um, but we did talk about that, and we talked about picking up your prescription as early as possible Ask your pharmacist, hey, when can I come back and refill this? Make sure you show up on that day. Sometimes it's seven days early. could be five days early. But those are extra pills that you can take those first. But as you accumulate more and you pick up more prescriptions, you're going to see that you're piling up more than you need for that month. And after a while, it's going to pile up pretty quickly. In fact, in four times, four months, if you pick these up seven days early, you've got a whole month. Of medicines. That's You've right. got 28 days of medicines if they allow you to come seven days early. So don't give up on that. Make sure you stay diligent for these chronic medical conditions that are treated with pills these days. Uh, things like uh, high blood pressure. Um, I'm not sure we're going to be so concerned with cholesterol at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, probably not too much. <laughs> but, you know, your thyroid medicine, things that do require pills, uh, type 2 diabetes. Again, maybe we're going to have some curing with type 2 diabetes when people are changing their diets and are way exer- more active. Way more active. Way yeah. more active. Dietary restrictions. There's not going to be a lot of Twinkies around. And there's not going to be a lot Although, of Doritos, processed right. foods. Um, hopefully we'll be eating more uh, whole foods if you have your garden going. And you can trade those with someone who's raising chickens for some protein. And so hopefully our diet will be more of a paleo type diet. By the way, I just want to say that... yes. When Hostess Cupcakes went under, they were bought eventually by somebody else. But when they went under, we actually bought some Twinkies and some Hostess Cupcakes. And we kept them around for several months. Now, the legend, the urban legend is that they would last forever. They don't. They don't. They do not. I promise you. I actually tasted one not too long after the expiration (laughs) date just to see it. I'm not really a Twinkie person. I don't really like sweets, but... I wanted to, t- yeah, you do, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I wanted to taste it. And even just a month or two afterwards, it was disgusting. And then they ended up rotting and they were in an air conditioned place. They were in a dark area, a dark box where we keep our other foods. So it was, they weren't stored in a, in a terrible, like a garage, a hot garage or something. Um, and they didn't even keep like that. So do not believe the Twinkies last forever thing. They, have, they don't. They have actual expiration dates that you should he- adhere. And sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, they are a lot of sugar, and sugar indeed is poison. And that is that is for darn sure. That is true. With regards to medicines, 
I think it's time for you to get started on that medicinal herb garden of yours that you should have started a while ago and maybe learn a little bit about what in nature might help when the drugs run out. Well, because if you believe that a long-term event is a possibility, that's pretty much what's going to be left when all the drugs run out. And regardless of how many medications you're able to accumulate, if you have to take have to take care of enough people and you have to do it for a long enough time, eventually you're going to dispense all that you have. That's right. But for now, let's assume that the wise medic has stored quantities of important medicines in Yay. advance of a disaster. Good for you. Yes. What happens, however, when all these stockpiled drugs pass their expiration date? Well, the short answer is, in most cases, not a heck of a lot. Pharmaceutical companies have been required to place expiration dates on their products since 1979, but what does that data actually signify? Officially, the expiration date is the last day that the company that's making the drug will certify that it is fully potent. Now, some people believe that this means the medicine in question is useless or in some way dangerous after that date. That's a false assumption. Expiration dates pertain to the strength of the medicine, not really whether it causes effects that are hazardous to your health. You're not going to grow, for example, a third eye in the middle of your forehead or a horn or an antlers maybe or drop dead simply because the drug has expired. And that actually makes logical sense if you think about it that a drug company would not want to have a simple medicine, let's say, let's just call it Tylenol, turn into something poisonous right after their expiration date. Because who throws away Tylenol? Nobody does. I don't think the FDA would allow a medication to be approved that would suddenly become toxic and cause someone to die or have a severe illness just because it's over the expiration dates. I think it needs to have some shelf stability in order to get approval. Now, I'm not an FDA official. I don't know that for sure. But I do know that other than a, a tetracycline from the 60s, which the formula has changed now, I don't know of any drug that breaks down that's sitting on the shelves in a pharmacy or in a store that will suddenly kill you after the expiration date. It might not work. I mean, that's the whole point, is the effectiveness is what you're trying to get across. Right. Now, despite this, official recommendations state that drugs after their expiration date should be discarded. Yes, that's official. Despite all this, official recommendations state that drugs should be discarded after their expiration date. In normal times, this is pretty reasonable, as there is a modern medical manufacturing infrastructure, a whole big giant industry that produces more of these drugs every day. But most drugs don't suddenly lose all their potency just because they reach their expiration date. Exactly. Now, what evidence do we have for saying such a thing? Well, years ago, the U.S. military commissioned a study regarding expiration dates. Consider their situation. In warehouses all over the country, they had huge amounts of funds invested in drugs for the strategic national stockpile. Every two years or so, they were faced with the challenge of disposing of mass quantities as these drugs expired. To their credit, they began to wonder if this represented a waste of useful meds. Well, this led the government to begin studies that could determine if it would extend the shelf life of the country's massive inventory. This evaluation was done in conjunction with the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, and eventually became known as the Shelf Life Extension Program, SLEP. It tested more than 100 drugs that were expired for 
from 1 to 15 years and found that 90% of them were still fully potent and considered safe. These medicines were mostly the ones that were in pill or capsule form. There were noticeable exceptions. Almost all of these were in liquid form, nitroglycerin, insulin, epinephrine, and certain antibiotics like antibiotic elixirs. These lose their potency pretty soon after the date on the package. Now, possible signs of spoilage of a liquid medicine? Well, that's a change in the color of a liquid, the change in viscosity of the liquid, how thick it is and how viscous, or the appearance of solid material maybe at the bottom of the bottle. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Now, despite these findings being made public from time to time, it's not public knowledge. Most people still believe that a drug is always dangerous after the expiration date. A number of civic programs, often sponsored by pharmaceutical companies, actively encourage the disposal of meds as soon as they expire. Even the FDA offers instructions on trashing expired medications as if the shelf life extension program never existed. Indeed, when interviewed in the year 2000, a former FDA expiration date compliance chief believed that many at the agency didn't even know about programs like this at all. Let me read a short summary of the SLEP data, the Shelf Life Extension Program data. The abstract actually goes like this. The AMA, the American Medical Association, has questioned whether expiration dating markedly underestimates, this is the AMA actually speaking, the actual shelf life of drug products. Results from the Shelf Life Extension Program have been evaluated to provide extensive data to address this issue. The SLEP has been administered by the Food and Drug Administration for the U.S. Department of Defense for 20 years. More now. I mean, that that was way back then. Yeah, it was. That was probably 10 years ago. Yeah. This program probably contains the most extensive source of pharmaceutical stability data that exists. This report summarizes profiles for, I think, 122 different drug products commonly used in emergencies. Over 3,000 different lots of these different products. That's incredible. I know, that's that's a lot. How did that go missing for so long? (laughs) (laughs) And people didn't know about it. Now, based on testing and stability assessment, 88% of the lots were extended at least one year beyond their original expiration date for an average extension of 66 months. That's more than five years. But the additional stability period was indeed highly variable depending on the drug itself. The SLEP data supports the assertion that many drug products, if properly stored, can be extended past the expiration date. Now, all of this data was published publicly in the July 2006 issue of the Journal of Pharmaceutical Sciences. And interestingly enough, it's sort of hard to find today. You have to know exactly where to look. They want to hide it. (laughs) That's right, to actually find these things. Now, even more incredibly, in 2012, researchers at the University of California, San Francisco School of Pharmacy They found cases of 14 different medications in a retail pharmacy in their original unopened packaging. These cases were labeled with expiration dates that were 28 to 40 years old. They apparently have been stuck all the way back in some warehouse and they actually found them. When they analyzed them, 12 of the 14 active ingredients persisted in concentrations that were 90% or greater of the amount indicated on the label. Now, these results were conclusive enough for inclusion in the prestigious journal Archives of Internal Medicine. So I'm not just reciting some myth Random to you or, or some or some anecdote that somebody right. told each other right. and then told their, their third cousin. Right. So as a result of all these findings, even the government at times has changed their stance on expiration dates. 
during the 2009 swine flu epidemic, a five-year extension was ex given for the use of expired Tamiflu. That's a drug that's used to prevent and treat swine flu and other influenza viruses. The radiation exposure drug, potassium iodide, also received emergency use authorization during a shortage in 2011. That's when the Fukushima disaster occurred in Japan, where that nuclear reactor melted down. Except, honestly, does that ever break down, really? I know that's an inorganic product, so I believe that that probably shouldn't really have much of an expiration date so, at all. So items like ThyroSafe, so, yeah, that which is just even have an expiration date. Really, just potassium iodide. There's no organic material in it. Now, an exception to the safety of expired medications was thought to be the antibiotic tetracycline. A number of reports claiming kidney damage after taking expired tetracycline was they, these reports were published in the Journal of the American Medical Association and others. But this was way back in the 1960s and 1970s. Since that time, the formulation for this drug has changed, and there have been few such reports that have surfaced recently. Now, although tetracycline is not commonly used at present, I don't even recommend it as something you should have in your Store, storage, right, right. a study that used expired doxycycline, doxycycline, a member of the tetracycline family, and still commonly in use today, they used it in dialysis patients. These are people whose kidneys aren't functioning well to begin with. They found few ill effects. The FDA even gave an emergency use authorization for doxycycline in the 2010s during a shortage that they had then. Given the choice between, by the way, tetracycline and doxycycline, always choose doxycycline. It's a newer generation drug, might have less resistance issues. We actually showed you a bottle of it in one of our previous shows. Now, despite this, you shouldn't be surprised when you see quotes from academic types that say medications are dangerous when expired and should be tossed immediately. These opinions are fine in normal times, but they're sort of foolhardy if you're preparing for uncertain times. Let's say a loved one is fading fast from an infection, you're off the grid, something bad has happened, and there's little or no hope of getting to modern medical care. You've got an expired bottle of antibiotics. Are you going to use the expired drugs or not? Well, I'm going to let you decide that one, but I know what I would decide. In a disaster, the decision-making process comes down to asking yourself some very basic questions. Of course, the first is, what's the problem? The second is, do I have medicine that will treat it? And if you've been off the grid long enough, the third question might be, could this medication, even if it has expired, possibly save a life? Now, our conclusion regarding expiration dates is that you should stockpile medications that come in pill or capsule form, maybe not as liquids. Right. As I said before, the SLEP data found that most of the failures were among drugs that came in liquid form. One of them I mentioned was epinephrine. Now, that's found in the anaphylaxis product known as EpiPen, an auto-injector for people that have severe allergic reactions. A recent study, interestingly enough, evaluated expired auto-injectors of, of epinephrine for up to three years. They've been expired for up to three years. They tried them out. Right. They found them to be up to 80% potent. As a result, even the manufacturer suggests using expired EpiPens if new ones are not available. They do fail the test in that they're not 100% potent but it means that you might just need two expired EpiPens right. to get the same effect as one fresh one. Right. Now, this isn't me saying this. This is the actual company itself that's recommending this. So the bottom line is that medications in pillar capsule form last the longest, although potency may fade over time if they're improperly stored. We're going to talk about that in a second. Planning ahead, we got to consider all the alternatives in the effort to stay healthy in hard times. So don't ignore any option that can help you achieve that goal, even expired medicines. 
do what you can with what you have where you are. That's what Teddy Roosevelt said, and it still serves the purpose for the survival medic today. So everybody out there should do their own research. They should get into the facts, figure out what the truth is about expiration dates, and come to their own conclusions. In the meantime, get fresh meds while they exist, and you know you can get them from an existing medical infrastructure. Let's talk about proper storage of medication. Being prepared for disasters means storing food, but it also means stockpiling medical supplies, right? Now, bandages and instruments, well, they may keep acceptably for, gosh, years in a variety years. of environments. Right. Think about it. That's exactly right. We were talking about gauze, band-aid, kits, ace. We have a World War II uh, medic kit that actually has bandages that still look pretty good. They're a little yellow. They're yeah. not white, bright white anymore. I'd use them. But that, uh, we would use them if we had to. The thing is, is that you want to keep your medications, though, in the best condition possible. That's another thing altogether from bandages and other kinds of supplies. Now, how medicines are stored can affect their potency over time. So to maintain the effectiveness of the drugs, there are several factors that deserve your attention. They are heat, humidity, and light. Let's talk about heat. Many medicines are best stored in a cool environment. The effective life of a drug usually is in inverse relation to the temperature it's stored at. In other words, a drug stored at 50 degrees Fahrenheit will last a lot longer than one that's stored at 90 degrees Fahrenheit which will last a much shorter time. Which is actually just the same principles that we follow for our food. Yes. It's the same thing. Simple as that. Yeah. Now, having said that, having said that, most medications are meant to be stored at room temperature. Insulin and some other elixir liquid type medicines are exceptions. They should be stored in the refrigerator. Now, how about freezing that? Would that make it be possibly better even? Well, a good rule of thumb is Wait, that... Wait, I'm glad you mentioned that because we get that question a lot. We do get that question. So, actually. I'm glad you're answering this. So, a good rule of thumb, <laughs> unless the bottle contains labeling that says otherwise, it's unnecessary and oftentimes harmful to freeze or otherwise diverge from the advice given by the manufacturer. Now, we actually had someone write to us and, and give us a, a pretty long explanation as to why that happens. But what he said was it changes the molecules of the medicine right. can separate it, can crystallize, and, and just cause havoc. And so when it gets defrosted again, it's not the same medicine. Right. Exactly right. They felt that yeah, it, could, it like, changes destroy, the molecular right. structure. Right. right. Exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit now about light. It's heat, humidity, and light. Much like excessive exposure to the sun could damage skin, light could sometimes cause certain drugs to deteriorate. These medicines are commonly stored in dark colored bottles. Sometimes they're amber if they're glass. Uh, sometimes they're, they're black like this particular one here that's plastic. You want to always keep your medicines in their original containers if you can, but place them somewhere dark for long-term storage. Might be a good idea, by the way, to remove the cotton ball commonly placed with some drugs. It could pull moisture into the container. So that leads me to the third, humidity, the third factor. Medicine should be kept as dry as possible. This is why they often come with tiny packets of, uh, or a little container of desiccant, drying material inside the bottle. Moisture can cause mold and mildew to form, especially on natural remedies, by the way, such as dried herbs and powders. These items do have a shelf life. After about a year or so, they do get moldy and mildewy over time. Now, maybe vacuum packing might be a good idea for these if you happen to have a vacuum packer. Otherwise, vacuum packing is probably not, not necessary. necessary. 
Most folks store medications in the bathroom medicine cabinet. Talking about humidity, you might be surprised to know that the moisture from showers and and baths can degrade drugs significantly. So the medicine cabinet in the room where you take those hot steamy showers might be a terrible place to store your medicines. Instead, consider a high shelf in a closet or a dedicated sealed storage box. And might I say sometimes locked depending on who lives in your house. If you have anyone under the age of 20, I say 20 because even 19-year-olds make bad decisions. You need to lock these up. If you've got a, a lot of blood pressure pills, a lot of cholesterol medicine pills, you don't want some kid getting in there and thinking, exactly. thinking it's candy or whatever. Um, just like you lock up your personal protection, it's not a bad idea to have some place that has a lock on it for uh, medicines. Medications, absolutely. Yep. Uh, I mentioned vacuum sealing for herbs and other natural Mm -hmm. substances. Now, you're going to find opinions everywhere. I mean, I don't have a lot of hard data on this issue in general, but vacuum packing, in my opinion, is the way to go with herbal medicines. If you have dried herbs, dried leaves, things like that, that probably is good. Now, it's a little less certain whether vacuum sealing really does a lot for pills or or capsules. Mm -hmm. It would be logical that uh, more drugs would be vacuum packed by the manufacturer if it was that important to maintain potency right so yes but they don't care because they want to sell you more that's right (laughs) that's a very they're okay with it having an expiration date because that means you're going to go buy more because you were told you have to throw these out very perceptive they may they want you to discard older medicines and buy new ones right that's true they may not have a particular motivation Motivation, to recommend exactly this vacuum sealer now, of course, everybody wants to know, has this medicine gone bad? Now, lots of times it may be hard to tell if a drug has been affected negatively by improper storage, but other times it's actually pretty obvious. Aspirin pills, for example, develop sort of a vinegary-like or ammonia-like smell, and that can occur even before the expiration date. You should smell bottles of aspirin. Now, besides smell, a change in color or consistency could in- indicate that a medicine has degraded. If pills and capsules are harder or softer than normal or they stick together, you should be wary. You know, in liquids, I mentioned before, color, viscosity changes, that may be a sign. Or if solids accumulate at the base of an ampule or vial of uh, some kind of liquid medicine that you have, that's something that you, that you should consider. Now, some people get their meds through the mail. If so, you should always choose overnight shipping whenever possible to avoid prolonged travel time. There was a 1995 FDA study that found that a standard black mailbox out in the open can reach up to 136 degrees in the summer heat. (laughs) That's a lot, a lot of heat on that medicine. Excessive time in the hot sun, extreme cold even, for a long period of time, that can cause drugs to deteriorate. A better alternative might be to have them delivered where you could take possession personally and immediately for a lot of people that might be their workplace as opposed to their home. Although that was before the pandemic. Yes. (laughs) That's all the time we have for this episode of the Survival Medicine Podcast. This is Joe Alden. And Amy Alton. Wishing you the best of health and good times or bad. Thanks for listening and watching. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, 
gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did.